Am I on? Yeah, there you go. All right, I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad you guys are here. Join with me as we uh, open in prayer this morning and have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, uh, just so we're here, Lord, to worship you, uh, to worship you with my brothers and sisters uh, in Christ and you. And Lord, as we, uh, we worship you today, let us do so in spirit and truth, Lord, and give back to you, uh, God, today and give you our best today, uh, Lord, because you gave us everything on the cross. So we love you, Lord. I'm thankful to be here this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for this body of believers. It's been a great week. Um, excited to marry uh, Cody and, uh, and Elizabeth last night. It's a great night and really proud of the guys who graduated the freeway program. And uh, Lord, last week we had the fellowship time. It's just been a great week, Lord, uh, in, in worshiping you and being with one another. Uh, and so, Lord, bless our services today. In all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
stained glass windows, old bar stools and back row pews. I ran to one more than the other, but I couldn't outrun you. Trying to fill up all the empty, trying to numb the pain inside. Thinking you never forgive me for all those Saturday nights. But thank God for Sunday morning. Thank God for 316. And the words it read that say you bled and gave you life for me. Thank God for the choir singing and the voice seeing come back home. Saturday morning man that's weak how's everybody doing this morning come on let's get excited for the lord i mean uh so i was sick for a minute i was at faith walk last weekend so i missed you guys i haven't seen you in a minute and uh my voice still isn't 100 percent back i got I had laryngitis so i'm gonna have the girls help me a lot so and i need your guys's praise to go way high this morning here we go Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Your shame's done all its ceiling. Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus.
this morning got a few announcements to cover so downstairs I was made aware of this they had a a bake sale yesterday for a young lady who is seven years old that has leukemia and so they had uh, some extra baked good items so here's the deal if you would like to go downstairs after church and get some of that you're more than welcome to I think they have a can set up for donations if you want to do that also so that's downstairs next Sunday next Sunday very important the new member class starts so if you have came to me and said, hey, I, we want to become members of this body of believers, um, starts next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. during Sunday school, downstairs in the kitchen area, all those tables where we eat out on Wednesday nights. So 9 a.m., new member class starts next Sunday. It'll usually go five or six weeks. Uh, if you miss a week or something, it's no big deal, Just but it, please be there next week. We'll start it next week. Uh, I'll pro- I'm, I know that I'm going to miss one Sunday for sure, uh, but yeah, next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Today, after the morning service, we have a business meeting. It'll be very brief. It's not going to take long, but business meeting uh, right after the morning service today. Operation Christmas Child List. This is the last month, right? You're packing them, what, the end of November? Middle of November. Middle of, she's got coffee in her mouth. What? You're packing them next week? Packing them next week, so you got a week to get all this stuff in. When Wednesday night or next Sunday? They're they're packing them Wednesday night. I was totally wrong. Packing them Wednesday night, so get everything here Wednesday night. Our goal is to fill up 50 of them. That's usually our goal every year. So Wednesday night, uh, toys, little stuff that would fit inside a shoebox is is basically uh, hygiene items, stuff like that. Uh, So bring those in, and they're going to pack them Wednesday night. Thanksgiving meal, I'm going to work my way backwards here. The Thanksgiving meal 
is next, not next Sunday, Sunday, November 20th. We're going to be here before we know it. Sunday, November 20th. Let me also say that last week, last Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, we had Fall Fest. It was a great time. Big thank you. Big thank you to everybody, the activities team. Steve and Dane, I know they're gone in California today. Uh, but big thank you to everybody who put that on. We had a great time last week. Uh, good job Wednesday night uh, for the kids' event. It was a, a really great night, Wednesday night. Thanksgiving meal's coming up Sunday, November 20th from 5.30 to 8.30. 5.30 to 8.30 on Sunday, November 20th. Women's pottery, is it too late for anyone to sign up for that? No? Today's the last day though, correct? Firm commitment today, ladies. Women's pottery, Sunday, November 6th, which will be next Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. It's $25, costs $25. If you want to come and that's an issue, please let us know. We'll make sure you can still come. Uh, but please let Pat know. She's back there in the back with all the Chiefs gear on, uh, right back in the back. So let, let, you don't need to be excited about the Chiefs gear comments, okay? Calm down, church. We don't need to do that just yet. <laughs> I'm just teasing. You can like your Chiefs, even though I don't. It's fine. All right. <laughs> men's Bibles to Trader. <laughs> you guys are going to start throwing tomatoes at me, huh? All right. So, so Men's Bible Study tonight at 6 o'clock at the church. Guys, we will have Men's Bible Study tonight at 6 o'clock. Wednesday nights, we're back to our normal Wednesday night schedule now. Wednesday night, we have dinner at 6 o'clock. Our classes start at 645. If you have not been coming to the adult class, I encourage you to. It's a great class on the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. Uh, it's on marriage. And, and it's been great how many people have been coming on Wednesday nights. We, I don't know. We probably have 75 or 100 people here on Wednesday nights for that class. And it's been really, really good uh, by Dr. David Jeremiah. So please come to that. And then I want to remind you, we didn't have freeway this week. I probably should have forgot to announce it last Sunday. But we will have freeway next, uh, next Saturday night at 5.30, dinner and the service. Is there anything I forgot today? Oh, I do have a couple other things real quick. Something else, I, anybody else have anything before I bring some people up? Yes. What day is that on? Friday night. Friday night, the 9th of December. Ladies' Christmas party, so please sign up for that, ladies, uh, on December 9th. So we'll, and I'll start announcing that also. So got a couple of people I know that are here. Mike Simons is not here. He'll be here. I think he'll be back next week. Um, I, I, you guys have done so much for me, and I really, really appreciate all the pastor appreciation stuff. I really, really do. We have a great staff here, so I want to recognize our staff members. So Joel and Shelly, they are the, uh, the youth directors, and I so appreciate them. You got to stand up. Thank you. I so appreciate you guys, and our church does, and all their hard work with our youth. Thank you, guys. You got anything you want to say? Let me grab a mic if you do. You got anything you want to say? Speech. Speech. He's good. Okay. They, hey. Uh, you know, I'm thankful they're faithful and, and coming and teaching our kids. And, and I know I'm not trying to bash anybody. There's a lot of places that have pizza parties every Wednesday, right? There are. And 
I can have a pizza party for the kids all the time, but Wednesday nights are about learning God's word and sharing the truth of who Christ is, and they do that. They have fun, but they also make sure that we're sharing the gospel with them and scripture and teaching them, and I appreciate that. Sierra Beth, come here. Uh, she, she's in charge of our uh, children's department, and I'm very, very thankful for her and all of her hard work she puts in. This is her first year being a fifth grade teacher also, and so she's had a whole busy schedule. Uh, so, sis, thank you very much. You got anything you want to say? No? Okay. She's got a couple of assistants that, that I'm going to honor when they aren't here today, but uh, we have cards for them that she's going to give them also, uh, Olivia and Liz. So, um, yeah, I appreciate all of our staff and everybody that puts into ministering here at this church. And thank you guys, and we love our, our church body. Does anybody else have anything before we uh, have our time of worship today? All right, if you would stand with me, let's take up our morning offering, and we'll, we'll bless that, and then we'll uh, get into our worship service with one, one another today. So Lord Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you. And as we enter our time of worship and song, we lift our voices, Lord, uh, in praise of you, of who you are. You are worthy of our praise, Lord, and you're also worthy of our worship, and, and, and worship is giving also. So Lord, I pray that you bless this offering this morning. Use it to further your kingdom, God, that the disciple will be shared on a, on a the, the gospel will be shared on a local level, a regional level, and around the world, Lord. I pray for our missionaries. I'm thankful, Lord, we have a whole bunch of missionaries this church supports that are sharing the gospel all around the world, Lord. And so uh, just, just bless this offering, and Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Spirit, when you move me, 
Try this one open. My voice is giving out, guys. Praise the Lord, though. I'm kind of We 
job. Thank you, guys. So, turn to your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. And do this, if you would, please remain standing. I want to honor God's Word as we read it together. Me and Acer is going to have you do the up-down game this morning, okay? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. You guys should have this memorized by now, right? I mean, so much we've been reading it. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And I'll finish with 20. For which I am an ambassador in change, and I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together again. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here, Lord, to worship you. Uh, what, a, what a great ending song there. I love that song, Lord, and as, as we look forward to one day being with you uh, for eternity. But as we're here, Lord, we're in a fight, and you give us the armor. And Lord, this is our offensive weapon today that we talk about. And so, Lord, I pray that you're glorified and honored uh, by the preaching of your word today. I pray that we're challenged, Lord, to... to, to uh, to learn your word better, to hide it in our hearts so we don't sin against you, to use it as our weapon to, to defeat Satan. Uh, God, it's all about you. And I love you, Lord, and I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, we talked about another one of those fiery darts of Satan that um, he uses against us, and it was anger. And we talked about how anger turns into murder. And, and having hatred, yes, kids downstairs, I'm sorry, Mitch and Mandy, kids, second grade and below, you can go down to Children's Church this morning and give, yeah, get, get, and, and give, give Mitch a hard time for me, kids, okay? Yeah, we like Mitch. Mitch and Mandy, all right. Uh, so we talked about hatred, and we talked about killing people, and there are multiple ways that we can kill people, obviously with the physical act of killing, but we also kill people by murdering their character, by destroying the person who they are or their reputation. We gossip about people. It's murder. We kill them. There's also you can kill someone by killing their intellect, by thinking that you know more than them, that you're on some kind of higher level and everyone else is just stupid, and they, don't, they can't figure it out and they don't know. Guess what you're doing? You're killing their intellect. The intellect that God gave them, that God gave them. And finally, I talked about appearance and how we kill people's appearance. And the world kills people's appearance. And I specifically spoke to our young ladies. And I spoke to our men that we should be encouraging our young ladies and encouraging our wives and the women in our, in our lives that they are absolutely beautiful the way that God created them and not have to fit into some kind of image that the world gives. We that's what we talked about last week. And when we do kill people, there are consequences. 
When we murder their intellect, we murder people's character, our relationship with God suffers and judgment will come. Today, we get into probably, I don't know, not my favorite piece of armor, but I just love this. And it's the sword of the Spirit. So far, all of the armor that God's given us is defensive in nature. Now today, we get a weapon. We get a weapon. We get to fight. Uh, This is a weapon in more ways than one. Many, many are offended by God's Word, and they call it very offensive. Well, this is an offensive weapon. Sometimes it can offend us. But it's an offensive weapon that we use to fight Satan. Hebrews 4.12 says this. And I intentionally did not send any scripture to the media team because I want you guys to write today and learn how to memorize what I'm going to talk about, okay? Uh, I, I don't want it on the overhead today for that specific reason. I want you to start learning how to memorize passages, write them down and memorize them. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God's word, the sword of the spirit, is sharp. It cuts deep on us. It cuts deep. It cuts deep when we read it. How many times do you read scripture and it cuts you? It cuts you because you're not living the way that you should live or you have sin in your life. So God's word cuts us. We need to learn how to use this weapon against the enemy. There is a great example That scripture gives. I cannot give you any other better example or illustration today of how to use the sword of the Spirit than what God's Word already says. And it's found in Matthew chapter 4. So if you would turn over to Matthew chapter 4. I also want to say today that I titled this The Sword of the Spirit Part 1 because there's I can't do the whole sword of the spirit in one sermon. Okay? So we're gonna have multiple weeks on this, probably two weeks on the sword of the spirit. But Matthew 4, 1 through 11. This is our best illustration from Scripture where God shows us how to use the sword of the Spirit. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Let's read it. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold angels came and were ministering to him. So let's start off with this. Why was God, why did did the father even allow Jesus to be tempted by Satan. Why did he allow this? And I want to start there because it builds a foundation. There's a couple of reasons. Number one was to prepare Jesus to be our high priest. 
to be our high priest. Hebrews uh, chapter 2 verse 18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What does that mean? That means that Jesus has been there and done that. He has faced every temptation that me and you could ever possibly come up with. He's faced them. He's been there, done that. And sometimes I think that we, we, we have this image of Jesus, which obviously is a correct image in a way, but he, that he is God and he's, he's everything and he's powerful and he's sovereign and he's perfect and all that's true. But then we think, he, so he doesn't understand what my life's like. There's no way that he can understand what I'm going through in my life and, and how I'm tempted or how Satan tries to attack me. And that's absolutely just not the case. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus lived literally a perfect life, never sinned, but was faced with everything that me and you could possibly face, and yet he did not sin. He did not sin. There's a song that one of my favorite songs, this is an old Southern Gospel song, it's called So Much God. So Much God. And I'm not going to sing because I'm not a singer, right? But the lyrics are, he was so much a man that he slept in the boat. Yet he was so much a God that the wind ceased when he spoke. He was so much a man that he thirsted at the well. Yet he was so much a God that he saved her soul from hell. It's a great song, and it illustrates how Jesus went through everything that we went through. You think he wasn't hungry after fasting for 40 days? Absolutely he was. You don't think he wasn't thirsty when he had the woman at the well draw him some water? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was so much a man, but yet he was so much God. That's how he was able to go to the cross, pay for our sins, and be the perfect sacrifice. Because he was perfect. That's how he was able to be our high priest. So listen, does Jesus understand where you are in your life right now? Absolutely he does. He has compassion and understanding upon his children when we sin. He does. It doesn't mean there's not consequences. It doesn't mean there's not punishment. But he knows exactly how it is to be tempted. And yet, he's without sin. So what's the old, another old song, Ace? I could have had you play a lot of songs today about this. There's one that knows, uh, it's called No, Not One. You know that one? Jesus knows all about our struggles, right? That's part one of the lines in the song. I don't know why I was thinking of songs this week. I just was. But does he know about your struggles and what you go through? Absolutely. Does he know about your family problems? Yes. Does he know about your marriage problems? Yes. Does he know about your anger issues? Yes. He experienced all of those things, yet he didn't sin like we do. So he understands what we're going through. So there's nobody that could come in today and say, there's just God just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Why else did he go through this in Matthew chapter 4? Well, now we start to, he shows us some of Satan's devices. He starts to show us how Satan works, right? Listen, the devil prefers to lurk in the darkness and spring out like a surprise attack. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 
You ever walk through the zoo? I, I, I go to the zoo. The zoo's one of my customers th- for my work, and I get to go through there. It's fun. It's like a fun account to go to. You get to walk through the zoo, and I get to go places that the public doesn't get to go. Like, I get to go back in the snake house where all the snakes are. I get to go to the bull elephant house where the bull elephants are massive, and they hate people. Like, you walk into that room, and they have, like, yellow paint on the floor. Don't cross that line because they can grab you with their trunk and pull you in, and they kill you. And when you walk into the bull elephant house, if there's a bull elephant there, they usually they'll lay their ears back and their eyes get big. And I'm like, I'm not crossing that yellow paint. There's no way. But one of the things when I'm going to the zoo, everybody knows when the lion is awake. Because what does he do? He roars. And you could be on the opposite end of the zoo, but when the lion roars, everybody knows. Everybody knows. Listen. The devil doesn't want us to know his tactics. When lions are hunting, what do they do? They crouch down and they hide. And then they, boom, they pounce, they spring on you. But what did Jesus do? He flushed those out on that day. So we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know how he tempts us. How does he tempt us? He twists God's words. He wants to twist God's words. Are you really the son of God? He wants to twist things and change it. Oh, they may be minor changes, but when you change God's word to how you want to live your life, to how you want to, to, how you want to sin, you see where he goes? How, what else does he do? Jesus teaches us how our sword works. He teaches us how to use the sword. Just because Jesus was the son of God doesn't mean his temptations weren't real. They were absolutely real. He was facing Satan as God in flesh, but he was in human flesh. And what was he using? The sword of the Spirit. He was using God's word. You know where all of his quotations came from that day? One book. Anybody know? Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. Everyone, I wonder if, could Jesus have been meditating, praying about the book of Deuteronomy that morning? Maybe reading it. I mean, obviously, Jesus is God, too. He knew All of scripture, right? Yes, he did. But I wonder if he could have read that that day. Listen, I'm glad that Jesus didn't show us how to use human reason to debate someone through intellect or or try to win your way. What did Jesus use? He didn't use human wisdom. He didn't use great preachers of the past. Who did he use? He used God's word. He used God's word. That's what he used. And it's the same thing that me and you can use. The same, this, what, what, what God used, what Jesus used against Satan is the same thing that me and you have available today when he attacks us. It's no different. Now, what are those strategies? What are the strategies that we see here from Satan? Well, the first one is one that we deal with all the time. It's to satisfy a right desire, but in a wrong way. It's to satisfy a right desire in a wrong way. So if you go back in the passage to verse 2 and 3, Jesus has a real human body, right? And he had gotten very hungry. He was hungry. He had fasted and prayed for 40 days. And so Jesus has a natural appetite. His taste buds, can you imagine? Can you imagine this? How much he would have desired some bread at that moment? The thought of food? And Jesus could have satisfied a legitimate desire of being hungry, but in an illegitimate way. So what does Satan do? He tempts him to use his power 
to produce instant food. Now, that is, that's something we're quite used to today, right? Instant food. One of my favorite snacks, it's probably my favorite snack. Me and Miss Tammy, Wednesday night, we got here early and I wanted a snack. So I snuck into Joel and Shelley's youth room. I'm, uh-oh. And I, I swiped a bag of microwave popcorn. And I shoved that thing in the microwave, and I sat down next to me and Tammy. Me and Miss Tammy had a good snack of microwave popcorn, didn't we? I ate most of it, I know, but, right? Well, Selena at home, you go to the movie theater, you can't go watch a movie without getting a big old tub of popcorn, right? I mean, I can't. It's good stuff. But it's not very healthy for you, because they put a whole lot of butter and stuff on it. And Selena at home will buy the healthy popcorn most of the time. The good stuff, like the good healthy, really like good for you stuff. And what I have, a, I'm classic in doing this. I will take one of her measuring cups and put some butter <laughs> and put it in the microwave. And after she's made the healthy bowl of popcorn, I'll go. <sighs> and she's shaking her head like, what's the point of me buying healthy popcorn, Dad, right? <laughs> I, so we, we, we put the good stuff on it, right? But in the case of Jesus, I go back here. He couldn't, he, could he turn these stones into bread? Well, yeah, he could have. I mean, John the Baptist said that God could turn stones into sons of Abraham. You remember that? So he could, we know that Jesus took water and he turned it into wine. We know that he took a few loaves and some fish and fed 5,000 men plus the women and children that were there. So could he have done that? Yeah, but why not do that? That his desire for food was innocent and strong. The need was imperative. But he had the power, and he had the power to secure instant relief. Well, why not do that? You see what Satan's doing? Is he's trying to bait the hook for Jesus. He's trying to bait the hook. And there's a method for that. If you go fishing, you bait your hook. You don't just stick the worm on the hook one time. It isn't going to fall off first time a fish does it. You, you thread it on there. There's a, there's a, there's a, a way to do that. Well, Satan knows it. But what is Jesus' response? He says, no, the scriptures say. So there's power in the word there. It's a sword that it's the sword that fights against Satan. It's sharp, its edges cut. And he what does he do? He handles Satan. He runs the tip right through him. Satan was wanting Jesus to do a miracle. He was testing him. He was wanting him to do something that he shouldn't. That he shouldn't in a, in a, in a desirable thing, but in, in an indesirable way. Satan does the same thing with us. We have God-given desires in our life. We do. We have, we have desires. One of those, let me talk about this one, sexual desires. That's normal and natural. As young men and young ladies get older to want to get married and have kids. God made them to be with the right gender. God get laid out an outline, an outline of how to do this. We're talking about it on Wednesday night. Here's a plug on Wednesday night for Wednesday night. We're going through that. The right gender and within the confines of marriage. Of marriage. So you're not, we're not just animals roaming around the countryside sowing our seed, right? That's what bucks are doing right now. And we're shooting them because they're doing that, right? That's what we're doing. Satan attempts... What does Satan do? He attempts to turn that natural desire of human connection, of human sexuality, uh, that God created sex, okay? 
He just he did. God created everything. But Satan turns that natural desire into adultery and fornication. He twists it. He twists it and wants to make it evil. What's another one? What's another one? A God-given desire. Ambition. Now, I wish that more people in our country expressed the ambition or the natural desire to work hard and to improve yourself, right? And, and take a little bit of ownership over your family and to provide for them. I wish that, that, hey, that's a Christian principle, folks. If you're a follower of Christ, you should work hard and provide for your family. But what does Satan do? He takes that ambition and he can turn it into covetousness. Where you start coveting other things. Or greed. Or he takes it where you get greedy. Where it's not just about providing anymore. It's about keeping up with the Joneses. we got to have everything that they have. He twists it. What about, what about sleep? Hey, I, I was on like three hours of sleep yesterday. I, I, we had a late night Friday night at uh, we went to the rehearsal for the wedding, and then we went over to Selena's sister's house, and we have a, I have a great time with my in-laws. We had a good time, but I didn't get home till like 10:30. I went to bed like at 11, and me and Hunter got up to go hunting at three. Like it was a, it was I got no sleep. I was wore out. So when I got home yesterday afternoon from hunting, I went and laid down. I like to get some rest, right? This morning we didn't have elders meeting, so I got like nine hours sleep last night. So I feel good this morning, right? But so you need to rest. You naturally need to have some sleep and take time to rest, right? We should do that every day. But Satan takes that and he takes it to an extreme where he says, people be lazy. Just sleep in and don't go into, call into work, take off, be lazy and slothful. You see that. Oh, here's one. Raising both hands. Oh, our food we eat. Man, the Baptists never preach on this, do we? We just don't. Right? What we eat. What we eat. Now, we could be satisfying a right desire of being hungry, but in a very wrong way. In a very wrong way. Satan, like, like listen, we, we should eat to live. You have to eat to live. Because ultimately, if you don't eat, you're going to die. Now, some of us can miss a lot more meals than others. I give you that, okay? But here's what Satan does with that. He wants you to live to eat, where that you think that, well, this is what's going to make me happy, going to the buffet every day, and that'll make me happy, and then no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't, Jesus, listen, and that's gluttony, that's gluttony, Jesus could use his sword, because it was in his armory, it was his, what's his armory, his memory, as Max told me a little while ago, it was a magazine, it was part of the weapon, and Jesus was loading that with what? God's word. And so he's loading it with God's word, right? So listen, whatever you struggle with, I just listed a whole bunch of things that Baptists struggle with, right? I'm just be honest, right? Whatever you struggle with, here are some verses that apply. Get your pens out. You struggle with sexual desires, read 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. You struggle with greed, Proverbs eleven six. 6. You struggle with sleeping too much, Proverbs 20, verse 15. Susanna, why is your pen not out on sleep, sweetheart? She's our sleeper in the house. You can get me later. You can get me later for calling you out. <clears throat> you can get me later. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10. You know what that says? You don't work, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. Whew. Gluttony, Proverbs 23, 21. 
Now, what do we have to do with that? We got to put them in our magazine. You got to hide them in your heart. So you can pray about them. You can meditate on them. And then what do you do? You draw it. You draw the sword when the temptation comes. Right? You got to hide them in your heart. Here's the second thing. Well, we got two more. I'll, I'll speed up here. There's the sin of presumption here in verses Matthew, uh, Matthew 4, 5, and 7. What does Satan do? He pulls a quote. This is what he does. He pulls a quote from Scripture. Satan quotes Psalm 9111. But here's what he do. Here's what he did. If you go, go look it up. He leaves out half the verse. Satan uses part of the verse to try to tempt Jesus. But he leaves out the other half of the verse. He leaves out the other half of the verse. And, and well, here, here, I'll read the other half of the verse. It says, For he shall give his angels charge of thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Listen, a child of God has protection from God when we are in the will of God. When we get out of God's will, will his grace still forgive us? Absolutely it will. But his government and, and his, his, the things he places in authority over us, we will suffer the consequences. Well, it's probably a bad illustration, but work with me here a little bit. If I go to a third floor and I say, I'm just going to jump off this third floor. If I make that mistake and in midair I say, oh Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have jumped off this third floor. Right? He will. He will. Yeah, he's going to forgive me. But there's still got to be somebody to clean up the mess when I hit the ground. There's still not going to be good. Jesus was tempted with the sin of presumption. Purposely putting yourself into a situation where God has to bail you out and do a miracle in order to rescue you. That's what Satan was tempting him with. Now you think, well, how do we do that in our life? Oh, I know a whole bunch of high school kids that do it all the time. And here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Because I used to do it all the time. I know that I have a test Friday at 8 a.m. But I just got too much stuff going on through the week. And I want to go hang out with my friends. And I want to go to the basketball games. And I want to sleep too much. And I want to do the things that I want to do. But then Friday morning, I'm not talking about you. If the, hey, if the boot fits, sweetheart, wear it, okay? But we go into school Friday morning. And she makes straight A's, by the way. So I'm not picking on her too much. But we go into school Friday morning, right? And we, we're like, you haven't studied. But you're like, Lord, please let me get an A on this test. If you let me get an A on this test, I will do this. Adults, we do it too. Lord, get me out of this mess and I will do this. You know how we do it, adults? <laughs> Here's a good example. TV preachers. Mail me a check. I'll pray a debt. You're in debt up to your ears. Mail me a check. We'll say a prayer and you'll get out of debt. Well, listen, God can work miracles in our life, but then you know what normally happens? Well, for one, we shouldn't send TV preachers checks. But you know what happens? Then people get back into the same debt. They just go right back to what they are doing before, right? Instead of letting God's word change their financial situation, right? Because after all, you can just pray another miracle, right? Right? So what should we do? Confess our sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder how often, church, we sin willfully, knowing that we can just confess it later. We can just confess it later to God, and he's faithful and just to forgive us. You know what that is? 
That's a sin of presumption. That's a sin of presumption. Christians today want God's promises without God's precepts. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Now, let's shift gears just a little bit. We're sometimes tempted to demand a visible proof. You've heard people say this. A visible proof of God's presence and care. Where someone You may hear someone say, If you don't heal me, I'm not going to believe in you. If you don't do this, God, then I won't do this. If you don't give me that job, if you don't, God, if you don't make that girl like me, my, like my whole high school life, right? right? Lord, if you let, thank you, Lord, that Selena likes me. Amen. Lord, if you, if you let me pass this test, let me pass this test, and I promise I'll study next time, Savannah. This is, this is, uh, I love Savannah. She's just like me. She can handle it good. That's why I'm not picking on Sierra. I'm picking on Savannah today. Listen, you know what that is? That's not faith, guys. That's not faith, though. When we do, in all seriousness, though, when we do things like that, it's not faith. You know what we're doing? We're putting God to the test. We're putting God to the test. It's sin. It's sin. We shouldn't put God to the test like that. If you have to have a miracle, your atheists say this, well, if God appears to me right now, then I'll believe. If you have to have a miracle in order to believe what God has already said, then you lack true faith. True faith does not put God to the test. So what does Jesus quote? Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Manasseh. Well, what's he talking about? That's found in Exodus 17, 1-7. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But what had happened is they complained against Moses and God because there wasn't any, anybody know? Anybody know? Water. There wasn't any water. And they complained. And so what did they say? They demanded water and said, is the Lord among us or not? Is he with us or not? If he is, then prove it to us by giving us water. Instead of trusting in God's provision, they put him to the test. Putting God to the test is when you insist that God do something to prove himself to you. True faith doesn't demand signs from heaven or miracles, but simply believes in the word of God. Believes in who Jesus is, based upon scripture, based upon faith. Not by God do this and I'll believe. All right, here's the last one. Satan wants Jesus. It's in Matthew 4, 8 through 11. I'm going to reread it, but you can highlight it or whatever. He wants him to take a spiritual shortcut. This is the last point, and I'm closing. Satan promises what to Jesus? The world. He, he, he takes him to the temple. He says, you see all the kingdoms of the world. Hey, I'll give them all to you. Just bow down and worship me. Listen, there's a problem there. Because Jesus has already been promised the kingdom of this world. Satan just wants him to take a shortcut. He wants him to take a spiritual shortcut. Satan says, you don't have to wait. I'm currently the God of this world. But I'll hand you the title of this earth if you just worship me. Now we got to remember, Jesus is a man. He's God in flesh, but he's a man. But Jesus wouldn't take a spiritual shortcut. He didn't take a spiritual shortcut. He had come that time to go to the cross. 
He knew what his mission was. Not the cross. Not the crown. The cross. So I'm glad and I'm thankful that Jesus did what he did. Because he wouldn't be our high priest. And I wouldn't have salvation in him and neither would you if he hadn't. He did it the right way. Seekers, here, how's this tra- how in the world is this transition to us? Because many people today, they want the crown without the cross. They want the crown without the cross. Satan's glory always leads to suffering. God's suffering always leads to glory. I, listen, there's a famous, famous preacher who has a book that's titled, your best life now. I can't promise you your best life now. I'm not going to lie to you today and say that God has a wonderful plan for your life. If you give your life to Christ, if you follow him, that may mean a lifetime of suffering. Our brothers and sisters around the world that die for their faith in Christ would tell you that's the truth. We're soft in America. We just are. But what I can tell you is if you pick up your cross daily and follow him, I can promise you. And picking up your cross daily means you die to what you want to live for Christ. I want to tell you guys something. Me and Hunter this morning on the way to church, 8.30 a.m., my guys kicked off today in London. Somebody give me a score update when church is over, okay? My Broncos are playing in London this morning against the Jaguars. And I think they were losing. When church started, it was 10 to 7. Here's my point. You're like, golly, he really likes the Broncos. Well, I do. I do. I like watching football. But here's the deal. Years ago, you wouldn't have seen me today. I'd have been at home watching the Broncos game. Because I was living a life not picking up my cross daily and following him. Now today, they're probably getting their behinds kicked and I'm not getting to watch them right that's a, I'm not trying to point glory to me I'm saying that that's how Christ changes you your desires become different you start to die to yourself to live for Christ that's picking up your cross daily and following him because I can't promise you that's always going to be fun or that's always going to be easy it's not but I can promise you that the end result is an eternity of glory in heaven That's amazing. If you don't repent and put your faith and trust in Christ and you live for yourself, I can promise you today you're going to have an eternity of suffering. There's the difference. So listen, don't take a spiritual shortcut. Satan's way looks the easiest, but it ends up being the hardest. God's way may look difficult at times, It's not easy being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world that we live in. It's just not. But in the end, it leads to blessing and an eternity in heaven. Oh, how Satan uses that temptation today. Satan is always offering instant gratification. The Bible admits it, that there's temporary pleasure in sin. I think of Esau. I think of the Old Testament. I think of Esau who traded his birthright for the temporary pleasure of a bowl of stew. Temporary pleasure. Our youth, our young adults, 
very vulnerable to this temptation. An example, Satan will say, why wait? Why wait till your marriage to experience the pleasure of sexual intimacy? Don't wait. I'll give it to you now. And what happens? Many young people fall for it. They fall for it. It ruins them. It hurts their relationships in marriage later. It hurts them. It damages them. We need to follow the example of Christ. He maintained loyalty to God, endured the cross and suffering. He knew that beyond the cross was what? A crown of glory. So who do we look to? Hebrews 12.2 tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, we can't just play defense with this armor. We need an offensive weapon. It offends Satan. It cuts him. It cuts him down to size. We must read it, meditate on it, study it, and then do what with it? Put it in our magazine. What's our magazine? Our heart. Everybody know what a magazine is? I mean, I'm Southwest Missouri. I assume you guys know what a magazine is. It's the thing that holds rounds that you slap into your AR, right? It's the bullets. The bullets are going to come out of the magazine, right? So what's our magazine? Our hearts. We load it with God's word, which is the weapon. Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word I've hid in my heart. That I may not sin against thee. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're a Christian... Satan doesn't have authority over you. You can't say the devil made me do it. You can't say that. God has given us a weapon. Now we use it. How to? We submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he flees from us. Guess what that is? James 4, 7. Submit to God. Submit to his word. Resist Satan, and he flees from you. I'm going to ask our worship team to come today. Here's the invitation. I'm sorry I preached a whole lot longer. I just There's so much here. I'm sorry for whoever's in nursery this morning, but it's important. It's important because this is your weapon. This is your weapon. I've talked about a lot of things today. Here's the deal. I love that we serve a Lord that offers us forgiveness and mercy and grace. If you need that today, you know what you do? You don't need me to pray for you. You don't need an elder to pray for you. You get down on your knees. You get down on your knees and you humble yourself before God. Brothers and sisters, load your magazine with God's word. Load it with God's word. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you need to join this church, new member class starts next week. There was a time in my life when church membership, being a part of a local body of believers, serving the Lord was not important. I want to tell you, the older I get, the more of how important I think it is. If you want to be a part of this church, come talk to me about that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God this morning for the opportunity to be here with my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your word today. As we leave here, I pray, Lord, that your word is in our heart, that we're studying it and learning it, and we're defending, we're attacking Satan, we're defending against these attacks, and we're on the offensive, we're sharing the truth of God's word with people around us. And Lord, I love you, and in all things we worship you. In your name I pray, amen.
Amen. Uh, just a reminder, um, after, after services, about 10 minutes after services, we'll have a very short uh, business meeting on that. Something I haven't mentioned yet, we are, um, just real quick, we are citizens of heaven. That is our ultimate home, home right? Um, but right now, you are also citizens of the United States. You got to vote in about a week and a half. 
Here's the deal. I think that's a very important thing for Christians to do. Absolutely very important. You look at what people's biblical stances are. you got a week and a half. You read up, educate yourself. If somebody's not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if they, if they want to kill babies, you look at that kind of stuff and vote accordingly, church. I'm serious. It's a, it's a very important thing. It's our responsibility uh, to do. So do that. Here's the benediction. Isaiah 48. There's a lot of things that are going to go away. This is what's not. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Stand forever. Would you? You were rocking today. Close us in prayer, Ace. You with us all. Father, I pray for that one that's here among us. Your word tells me that we're. There's more to gather. There's some that's sinners, Lord. There's some that ain't surrendered. Lord, I pray for them. I don't judge them, Lord, because I've been there. Father, I just ask that someone, that you send somebody to swoop in and love them. Show them the same grace and love that, that I got showed, Father. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity that we had here this morning. I hope that it was pleasing to you. Lord, I just thank you for everybody here, and I ask that you would put a hedge of protection upon us as we leave. And that we remember you in our hearts, not just this minute, but every minute from here on after, Lord. And that we find the true freedom in you. Lord, I love you and I praise you and it's in your wonderful name. Amen.